0: You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Morning in Focus Starts, it is truly a privilege to be here. First of all, I asked um, Caleb if I could take that bumper home, because I just need to send it to my people um, so they can at least see, like, oh, she kind of looks good. (laughs) That's amazing. I actually had an opportunity to listen to some of the messages um, over the summer, and everyone kept talking about, you know, they'll come up and they'll talk about the worship and the bumper. So I was like, what is this bumper? I had no idea. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what it is worship team, production team, thank you. I know that some people sacrifice so that some people can be comfortable, so you sacrifice some things so that we can be comfortable in in the presence of the Lord, and I just want to honor you and say thank you. Um, It is really a privilege to be here. My husband has been here before, and when he came, I think the building was finishing, and so he had a chance to get the tour, and he came home, and you know, there are things he geeks out about even though he doesn't call himself a geek. Like one is technology, and he doesn't want to admit that. And I can say that because he's not here, um, but it's technology. Every new app and gadget, he's into it and we must use it, it's hilarious. But another thing is when something is done with excellence and he could not stop talking about it. And in fact, before I came, he said, man, their worship, whew. And so I just wanted to let you all know that you know, things just don't fall from the tree or you just don't see the fruit. There was some investment done. And you have an amazing leadership team. You do. No one is perfect, I get that. But they are bowing their faces before the presence of God. And I know it because Ms. Carla came over to our church uh, and spoke at our women's event and it was powerful. And so to be here to speak really is truly an honor and a privilege to come and receive from the house that has given so generously, even when it feels tight. So God bless you all, thank you so much. Well, I come, like uh, the Bumper said and and Pastor Brent said, from North Carolina, the Raleigh-Durham area, where sweet tea is really sweet. Um, I think it's sweeter than it is here in Georgia. Um, and then the barbecue is just, so you need to come visit us, but also I'm here, even though my family's not here, there's a picture of them, I think we should should be able to get a picture, but I, Pastor Reggie, sends his love, that is, those are my three, uh, not so little anymore, my oldest Nicholas is towering, he is significantly taller than I am, and he's not 14 yet, and the boy can eat, So if you have any tricks, I'm so not kidding. I go to Costco and Sam's Club, and every time I have to put that card in, I am praying to the Lord God Almighty, because I know in three weeks, I'm gonna come back again and do it again. Any any moms understand what I'm saying? Okay, God bless you, God provide for you as well, in Jesus' name. And so that's Nicholas, he's our professor. David is in the middle, he is the kindest of all three, but he's the most energetic. Um, He's the one that keeps me on my knees, like, God, please give me strength and energy. I need your help today. Ideas flow from his head like nothing. I mean, just blah, 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 blah. But he's also the sweetest and just loves technology, loves people. He's the extrovert that pushes my buttons. (laughs) Then you see this cute little face right there, Shiloh. Don't let that fool you. (laughs) She's sweet. She's also feisty, so I don't know where that came from. I, tell her, I say it's her dad, but I also know where it came from. Anyway, <laughs> excited to be here, and I wanna start with a story. In 2019, in a small town or a small city in California, specifically Lake Elsinore is the name, with a population of a little over 65,000, they started to notice a swell in the population. So you know how when you have the masters in the spring and everything just kind of goes interesting? (laughs) Imagine that population times three. And they were getting 100,000 people in a a town for 65,000 people, they were getting 100,000 people in a day. Traffic was horrendous. The mayor, city officials were trying to figure out how to handle the visitors that were coming. And the question is, what were they coming to see in this small desert town? They were coming to see something called the super blue, The Super B-L-O-O-M. And I wanna show you some images of what that actually looked like. These are not filtered images as you'll see on your screen in just a few moments. That is real. The colors are vibrant. The extravagance is on, you cannot fathom. And these poppy flowers with just the most beautiful, extravagant colors flowed from miles across mountain plains or hills, but it was in the desert. People were coming with selfies, taking pictures. They were concerned they would hurt themselves because a lot of them were not used to hiking, but they wanted to be in the middle of a phenomenon. Now, the interesting thing about a super bloom is that it only happens once in 10 to 15 years. But this one was so extraordinary that you could see this super bloom from space. And there's an image that shows you about what, how that looked like. That is how vibrant it was. It was an amazing thing. But what's very interesting about the super bloom is that it's, what happens is it's not just the flowers that are supposed to come up for that season. There's a double portion of flowers that come out with colors that they haven't seen in a long time. But the reason why they do is because there, was, there had to be the perfect condition of of certain extreme conditions to allow for this. These extreme conditions include floods, extremely cold weather, burning heat, fires, the things that cause an inconvenience, the things that bring challenges. And so these extreme conditions all come together with the sovereign power and wisdom of God And what happens is the very things that are so inconvenient, that are so challenging, bring friction and aggravate the soil and agitate it so that the seeds that had been down there for 10 years, all of a sudden are pushed up to the front so that by the time the flowers come out, it is not only extraordinary, it is supernaturally beautiful. Which brings me to what I wanna to share to you all, with you all this morning. It is this, if there's one thing I want you to remember, and I want to come to encourage in, you in focus, it is that the most significant inconveniences caused by challenges most likely or often house the biggest blessings. And compassion is what unlocks the door to those blessings. Compassion is what unlocks the door. So the title of my message today is The Power of Compassion. The most significant inconveniences often house the biggest blessings. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. And I'm so excited about what you want to tell and focus this morning. Would you please come and have your way? Use me, bless everyone here under the sound of my voice and those that are watching online and those that would actually watch this later. And God, speak your word to them and multiply that which you are, I'm saying today, for your glory, have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Now this word is extremely important because I believe God wants to do two things in this house. Number one, He is going to show this house his compassion like never before. Not just as a church, hear me now, individually. But then also, he's doing that, not just so that we can all feel good, but so that you can be a sign and a wonder with godly compassion to not just Evans, Not just Augusta, not just to the CSR area, but to the whole state of Georgia, the whole nation of the United States of America, and perhaps the whole globe. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 22, there's a story that we're going to read. And it's the story of how Jesus shows compassion in an inconvenient moment. You see, compassion is not just. Feeling sorry for someone, that's sympathy. Compassion is not just putting yourself in someone's shoes, that's empathy. Compassion is sympathy, empathy, all rolled up into one, but then doing something about it. Compassion is saying, I see someone with a heavy load, so I'm going to come right under them and under them so that they can complete that which God has designed them to do. So it's coming alongside someone to see something. See, when you look at the word compassion and its original meaning in the text we're going to read, it talks about how it's moving from the bowels. So there's some action that is put into place with compassion. But a lot of times where we see someone showing compassion, it's because they're making a concerted effort to not do something else. There's always an inconvenience. So in Matthew 14, verse 13, read along with me. In new, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It starts in verse 13. It's, it's 13. It says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was, headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boats and he had compassion on them. Everybody say he had compassion. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered, bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, a.k.a. almost to the point of, I'm sure they didn't didn't do it to the point of gluttony, but they were very full. And afterward, the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Verse 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. In verse 13, it starts by saying, as Jesus heard the news. What is it that Jesus heard? What is it that he heard that caused him to say he needs to go to a desolate place or he needs to go to an isolated or remote place? Well, the news was that he had just heard from the disciples of John the Baptist that John the Baptist was beheaded. And the reason why this came about is because the King Herod had beheaded John the Baptist because John the Baptist, was, he imprisoned him because John the Baptist spoke against something that he was doing that was wrong. And when you read those verses before you find out that it was not just, it wasn't Herod, it was the wife that Herod had married that he wasn't supposed to marry, that John the Baptist was speaking against that actually requested for his head to be cut off as a reward for her daughter that was dancing in the presence of Herod and his friends. And so when Herod hears about Jesus, he's afraid because he's thinking, I thought I beheaded John the Baptist. Oh, he must have come back from the grave now more powerful than ever. So I'm thinking this brother is probably afraid, but he's also looking for Jesus. Different scholars believe that Jesus is responding to the news of John the Baptist's dead, and others believe that he's responding to Herod Agrippa looking for him. Jesus was not afraid of Herod finding him. He, wondered, he just wanted to be sure that he was going to the cross at the right time. But whatever, whatever, whatever is going on, I think it's just a little bit of both. But what I'm alluded to, what I come to, or the conclusion that I believe happened, is Jesus was grieving, and he needed time to process. And I know this because in Isaiah 53, he says Jesus was a man of sorrows. In John 11, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still wept with the sisters of Lazarus. Why? Because he feels what you feel. So let me tell you something. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you think you're in it alone, you are not. Jesus knows where you live and he knows what you're dealing with and he knows what you're going through. And can I just tell you, he feels for you and he's feeling compassion for you. So Jesus is going away to process. A lot of times, this is not even related to the message today, but a lot of times when we are dealing with something, when we want to process, we go isolate and not want to be with anybody. We go isolate with Netflix. We go isolate with chocolate. We go isolate with slander and gossip. But in this word, we see that Jesus was going to a remote place, not to isolate himself from people, but he was going to a remote place to be with the Father. Because in the rest of the Gospels, you see that anytime Jesus is going alone, he's going to pray. So whatever you're dealing with, I just want to encourage you, don't process by yourself, but instead process in prayer and process to hear from the word of God what he's saying about your circumstance. Process with the people of God because God might speak to them, give him his wisdom through them into your circumstance and situation. Don't process by yourself, process with the Lord in prayer. So Jesus is going to process and pray with the Father, to pray to God, And the Bible says he's going to an isolated or remote place just to spend time to process what he's feeling. A crowd of desperate people, and I say desperate and I'll tell you why, find out that he's leaving. They want ministry. They want Jesus to satisfy something that they're longing for. They see where he's going and on foot, Jesus is on a boat, on foot, They are walking, and they get to where Jesus is going faster than Jesus even gets there. That shows you how desperate they are for the King of Kings to minister to them. Jesus is dealing with a challenge. He's grieving. And all of a sudden, he has his own need. He's going to the Father to get it satisfied. There is a convergence of needs. It's in that convergence that we see the inconvenience. Jesus steps out of the boat, wanting to be with the Lord, wanting to be with God, and who does he see? People that are asking for needs from him. Some of you are in here, and you have financial needs, and yet it's hurting, it's tight, but you sense the Holy Spirit telling you to give to a missionary. You sense the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart to give towards something that he's doing in the house. Or some of you are asking God to give you eternal peace because of everything that's going on at work. That's your personal need, but yet you are feeling the tugging to maybe help with children's ministry, the tug to mentor someone else, yet you have this need where you feel like you're stretched to the capacity Maybe some of you, there's someone in here, you're dealing with a loss. No one fully understands how deep that loss is or the trauma that you're having to walk out from, from something that has happened in the past. And even in the middle of that, people are still coming to you to ask you to minister, even though you're hurting. Young teenagers in here, you long for friendship. You long to be known. You long to be seen, and that's a deep need that you have, but yet you see yourself in your school or with your friends, and because you are the Christian, they know you believe in God. They come to you with their own problems, even though you have your own things you want to process, a convergence of needs. But it says when Jesus gets there, he responds with compassion. See, when I'm in a moment of inconvenience, when I'm hurting, do you know what I wanna do? I don't want anyone to ask me for anything. In fact, just to give you some, a glimpse of an example of this, when I am hurting, I wanna spend time with God by myself. So what I would do is I'll tell all of my children, I am going into the room to pray, guys, nobody come bother me unless you're passed out or bleeding. I go into the room, we have a room that has a pocket door. I close the pocket door and then you walk into the room and then I lock the door. And I'm right there just in worship because I just need God to help me because if he doesn't help me, I might say the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time and just mess a lot of things up because of what's going on. Because everybody's normal until you really get to know them. So you're working with people and right when i'm right there in my own personal space with the lord i hear i told you are you bleeding no is anyone passed out no get out because in that moment i don't want anyone around me but jesus does not respond in that way he doesn't say i'm having a moment don't talk to me right now He doesn't say, I don't have enough money, so I can't help you right now. He doesn't say, look, I am exhausted and tired and you guys are pulling me so much, please give me a break. No, he doesn't say that. The Bible says he responds in compassion. Compassion is lifting, helping someone lift the burden. In that moment, Jesus is dealing with his challenge he recognizes that inconvenience and he realizes the most again I believe that behind this inconvenience there's an opportunity for God to show his blessing. You see the thing with compassion is that compassion gives us an advantage for influence in our culture that is hurting. Compassion not only communicates value to another person, but it adds value to them because you're coming out of your way to say, you are worth it, I'm going to help you. But another thing about compassion is that compassion distinguishes us and sets us apart. And this is important for us to capture because in Exodus chapter 34 in verse 6, Moses is having a conversation with the Lord in this scripture. He's telling God, listen, look, I know these people are stubborn and rebellious. He's talking about the Israelites that are coming from Egypt into the promised land. He says, I know they're stubborn and rebellious, but please don't go. We need you to not just lead us. We want your presence with us. And then he goes on to say, he says, listen, show me your glory. Show me who you are. You're coming with us, but I want to know who you are. So God responds and says, you know what? I'm going to show you who I am. I can't, I can't tell you. I can't show you. You can't see me face to face because no one has lived seeing me face to face. God, again, is highlighting the importance of holiness. Remember the message from Ms. Carla about holiness and living a life of holiness? That's what God is communicating with Moses. And so God covers Moses' uh, eye with a cre- uh, in the crevice and with his hand. And he tells Moses, you will see my back. But this is what the Lord says. This is how God introduces himself to Moses. He says in verse 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. When God introduces himself, the first attribute he uses to Moses is that he is a God of compassion. He is a compassionate God. So being compassionate to me seems like it is extremely important. And now compassion distinguishes us because it's not only an attribute of God, we are made in his image and so God has his attributes in us and that's what he wants us to reflect. There's a story of a woman who is at a coffee shop. And this is a famous coffee shop, so the line is very long. I mean, it's wrapped around. Not only is their coffee just makes you feel like you're in heaven, but their pastries just melt in, their, in your mouth. She was second in line after being in line for 20 minutes. It's kind of like being at a theme park and you're in line waiting for the ride. There's someone that's giving their order, and she's about to, just that person's finishing, she's in line, and she notices an elderly woman She's carrying cups of hot coffee, pastry bag, and she has her purse on her shoulder. She gets to the door, and women, you might understand this, you know when you're carrying something, all of a sudden you put your hand down and then your purse just kind of like goes to to your, your wrist? So that moment happens, her cup is falling over, it's hot, and she goes, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And this woman is in line, this other lady's in line, her name is Karen, she's in line, and she says to herself, oh gosh, I don't want to leave my line, that means I have to get back in line for another 20 minutes. Convicted, she just walks over. She says, ma'am, let me help you. She grabs her purse, tilts the drink back onto the cup holder, and then she goes, you know what, can I help you carry this to your car? And the elderly lady already knows what she's sacrificing, and she says to her, wow, Why why do you wanna do that? Karen sighs because she made that decision begrudgingly. She says, I was in line and I felt like I'm a Christian. Jesus spoke to me and told me to help you. She says, and the older lady looks at her and says, wow, you people are so kind. There's only one woman in front of her. That's when Karen figured out there must have been other people of God that carried the attribute of compassion that she encountered, that showed her compassion and was kind to her. In that moment, even though it was inconvenient, Karen was able to show the blessing of God's compassion and the blessing to uphold God's name and his reputation in the presence of someone that perhaps didn't know him. Compassion distinguishes, it distinguishes us. It marks us as God's own. So in this moment, Jesus shows compassion. He heals the sick. He responds to the needs of the people. And this is where the blessing comes. And then the disciples say, it's late. Before these people become hangry, please let's send them home. And you know what Jesus says? He says, you give them something to eat. You know when God, when we want to respond in compassion, when we want to come to the aid, a lot of times what we do, the first thing we look at is we look at what we have. And based on the limitations of what we have, we then make limitations in our decisions. We can't help because we don't have enough. Oh, I can't serve because I don't have time. Oh, I can't mentor that person because I don't think I have all the knowledge and information that I need to really pour into their lives. Oh, I can't pray for that person because if I look into my own heart, I'm dealing with my own issues. Looking at what we have instead of trusting the God, the God that supplies all our needs in exceedingly abundantly ways to satisfy them. And so in that moment, Jesus says, you, and this is the thing, when God wants, when God wants to show his compassion... He always uses his people, not because he can't do it by himself, but because he wants us to partner with him. So he says, you do it. So he says, what do you have? The disciples bring it to Jesus, Jesus prays, and the disciples witness a miracle that is accounted for in all the four gospels. And they witness a miracle that not only strengthens their faith, but builds up their trust in the Lord like never before. And this is a blessing that not only blessed the 5,000 people, but it blesses us today. And it serves as a reminder that whatever it is that you're going through, perhaps there's a blessing behind it. So what is it that I want us to take away from this moment, from this morning, family? It's this, number one, discern the moment. Don't dismiss the opportunity to employ God's solution. What is the challenge you're dealing with currently in your life that is keeping you up at night? What is the burden that you're carrying that you've said to the Lord, I can't do this anymore? Could it be perhaps that God is actually housing a big blessing behind it? Could it be that God wants to develop something in you that would then turn around and be a blessing to other people in the area? Could it be that God wants to brand His heart with a reminder that He has never ever failed you yet? Don't dismiss the opportunity. Don't dismiss, but instead discern. Don't dismiss it. Don't dismiss it. Discern it. And how do we discern it? We pray. We posture our hearts. We say to we say in our minds, like, "Okay, let me stop." Let me watch my words. I listened to what Justin Gray said. He said, with our tongue, we can curse or we can bless. With our tongue, we can build up or we can break down. With our tongue, we can destroy or we can declare. Instead of destroying the blessing that is housed behind the inconvenience, why don't you ask God to reveal what he's doing so that you can come alongside of him in faith and speak your word, his word into existence? Don't dismiss it. Yes, it's hard, but Jesus has been there and he's never ever gonna leave you. But the second thing is we need to pray. We need to pray for compassion and pray for strength to respond compassionately. Like I said, God is a compassionate God. He knows what we need and is the prime example of how we should respond. So if you feel like you don't have what it takes, then just ask him for it. Say, when you're at work, here you are working hard to get that promotion. But then they've hired someone else to take that place. And they want you to train the person. <clears throat> or it's a coworker who is trying everything in their power to sabotage you because they want your position. Ask God for compassion. Tell him to fill your heart to know how to respond. Perhaps that might be an opportunity to bring that person into the kingdom of God. And then they become your greatest advocate. Another reason why you need to pray for compassion is because what God God will require from us personally, what he wants to do corporately. So if God is bringing compassion to this house, it starts with you. How are you treating your spouse at home? How are you treating your children? Youth, how are you treating your siblings? Because even though your mom and dad don't see it, God does. (laughs) How are you treating your friends? How are you treating the people that don't look like you, don't come from the economical background that you come from, It starts with us. It starts with us. Discern the moment and don't dismiss the opportunity. Pray for compassion and the strength to respond compassionately. But this is the third and important thing. Give God what you have. Give God what you have. God will use the limited and natural resources and turn it into a supernatural abundance for your good and for his glory. Is time constraints a challenge? Ask God to give you wisdom so that you can show compassion. Is money an issue but you sense God asking you to sow in some capacity? Trust him to multiply it. If God can take something that was designed to only feed maybe two people, to feed a, not just 5,000 but 5,000 5, and more, how much more would you have? If God is asking you to lead a small group, but you say you're not eloquent, then what should Moses say? Because Moses had a stuttering problem, but God used him. If God can use an immigrant like Ruth, if God can use someone with a past like Rahab, then God surely can use you, and God wants to use you. You see, when we give God what we have, God uses that to build our faith because God is not only interested in satisfying our earthly needs, he wants to meet our spiritual and eternal longings. He's invested in ensuring that we have our eternal well-being right where it needs to be. But he also wants to partner with us to give us an opportunity to strengthen our faith so we're able to not only push spiritual boulders, we can move mountains. And that comes when we invite him into our, into, into our situation, when we give him our limited resources and ask him to please use it, and ask him to multiply it. I'm gonna conclude what I wanna share with you by wrapping everything up this morning. In focus, God's compassion has come to this house. Those areas that feel very tight You're going to start finding ease. Those doors for ministry, for work that have been so closed, but you sense in your heart God saying, I'm coming to open it, it's going to start happening now. God's favor is not just on this house as a corporation, as a cooperative, but He's on this house individually those situations in your household where you feel like I've done everything that I can and still there's nothing changing, God is going to show you his compassion. He is going to lift up that burden and you're not only going to find ease, you now begin, you will have a story, a testimony where you can testify to God's goodness and people will hear about the goodness of God and when they hear about it, their lives will be transformed because you experienced his compassion. But also, You must must posture your heart to be compassionate because he's bringing people into this house that you've prayed for for so long. They don't look like you. They have some very interesting experiences. They might not have some of your beliefs. Nonetheless, he's bringing them in so they can experience his kingdom. They can experience his love. They can experience his redemption. They can experience his deliverance. And guess who he's asking to do it? You. You. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate compassion, is Jesus. God, the challenge was that God saw the world, and he wanted us to be close to him. Because of sin, there was a gap. But he inconvenienced himself by sending his only son, Jesus. And Jesus came. He modeled what compassion should look like. And then he died the ultimate death so we can experience the compassion of God and we can have a relationship with him where he speaks into our situations he ministers to our soul. And we can have access to receive kingdom solution for earthly challenges. So we can be a blessing. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.